Welcome to Inside Pediatrics, a podcast brought to you by Children's Hospital of Alabama in Birmingham. Today we're talking with Dr. Dan Marullo. He's a pediatric psychologist with behavioral health at the Ireland Center here at Children's, and he received his doctorate from UAB from their medical psychology program. Welcome, Dan. Well, thanks for having me. So today we're talking about a subject that we don't necessarily love talking about, but it's necessary, and that is suicide prevention, depression in youth and teens. Uh, there's some pretty startling statistics out there about suicide being a, a top killer. Uh, that's true. Uh, I think most people don't realize that the top killers of our children uh, are actually behavioral in nature. Uh, we're going to talk about suicide, obviously, but the top three killers overall of our youth uh, and this is from uh, early adolescence through young adulthood, mm-hmm. uh, include um, accidents, suicide as number two, particularly for our uh, 15 through early 30-year-old mm-hmm. individuals, and homicide. Um, so I always like to point out that's, that's behavioral in nature. That's, that's mental right. health issues. Right. Uh, that are important uh, to our youth. Absolutely. And we recognize that here at Children's because our behavioral health department is full. We've got a lot of people working here, but we have a lot of children to serve from all across the state. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions about suicide, depression in general, mm-hmm. uh, particularly with our youth and our children, mm-hmm. uh, but also that stigma that, that is so important and it's such a barrier to folks getting the help that they need. Until you're dealing with it, until as a parent or as a caregiver, you're grappling with that situation. Absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about depression and suicide-related depression. Many times, kids may not necessarily have an intent to really hurt themselves or to understand the consequences behind what they're doing, but they just have so much going on in their heads that they just want to get away from. Well, that's true. Depression, particularly with children, doesn't always look like what we expect. I think when when people think about somebody that's depressed, they get this very real image in their mind, um, you know, this person who is so withdrawn and so doom and gloom and isolated, you know, isolated and, yeah. and uh, sad and depressed and uh, kind of like Eeyore. Right, you know, right. And Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> right. And that that is certainly a true presentation, but it's not always the case. There's a lot of folks who uh, suffer from depression that... Um, don't look that way, and, and it's particularly true for children, and certainly with younger children, even younger than adolescents and those those tweens, mm-hmm. it can look very different. So, uh, as a psychologist, we look for behavioral changes, right. uh, things that uh, a child was you know, doing, you know, the normal way of functioning in the world, and now they're doing something different, and okay. they're very different. And the other thing is, uh, I mentioned the uh, that, that kind of that stereotypical way that a, a depressed individual looks, a depressed child or adolescent. Sometimes it can be very different. You know, instead of sadness, you can get anger, right. uh, some extreme anger. Uh, instead of poor sleeping, perhaps they're sleeping too much or sleeping all the time as a way of perhaps escaping or just not having any energy. You know, instead of uh, not eating, perhaps they're eating more than usual yeah. and, and that yeah. sort of thing. So, and, and getting back to your other point, also, uh, when you start bringing in the suicidal component, you know, well, we've, got to, we've got to think about adolescence and where they are in their development. When you're a teenager, your brain is growing and developing. You're picking up new skills. Uh, your, your brain's becoming much more like an adult in terms of how you can think about the future and plan, right. that sort of thing. 
but you're not there yet. Right. So there's still a lot of uh, more here and now. A lot of growing to do. Exactly. You know, and so, you know, you had that falling out with your friend instead of thinking about the future, how things can, can, can be better and you can give back. It's more immediate and you feel that pain much more deeply. And it's harder to think about the future and how things can be so much uh, better. And there's also this whole impulsivity issue. Uh, Teenagers, children in general, but certainly teenagers can be very impulsive. So, again, when they're in in that here and now moment of their pain, uh, they may act out in a way with no intent of hurting themselves or even hurting other people. But they become overwhelmed by those emotions, and now they're acting out, and now then they may be getting themselves into uh, a situation that they had no intention of going to. And you think that's that's a physical part of a teenager, adolescent development? That because you know we tend to think of them when they get into junior high as oh they're so dramatic, and mm-hmm. you know they, it's going to be the end of the world because they didn't do this. Is that a is that actually something physical that that's is. going on? That is your brain growing and maturing. When you think about childhood and moving through childhood into those tween years and adolescence, your body is physically growing. Well, right. your brain's part of your body. It's physically growing. It's, it's making new connections. Main issue is that all these, these systems uh, for teenagers are starting to come online. These, what we call these executive systems that help us regulate our emotions, regulate our behavior. Uh, you know, help us control impulses. Right. So all those things are, are coming online. They're very immature. Mm-hmm. So there is a very, it is a very physical thing. And that gets back to depression and, and even the whole issue about stigma. Depression is a, is a physical disorder. Yeah. It's a brain-based disorder. So, you know, one of the risk factors for children is, again, where they are in their development. Certainly other things come into play as well. Your environment, your, you know, uh, how you were raised, the supports right. that you have and all that, because that helps certainly mold how your brain grows and develops. Yeah. But it's all tied in together. But you're very right. It, it, you know, this whole issue is partly about where we are in our growth and development. Right. And that's why we don't have people drive when they're younger. And that's why, you know, we try to. Exactly. That's why the driving age is, is 16. And that's right. why. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. That's, that's why we. You know, society kind of recognizes those stages. Yeah, that there are stages, and, and that folks are, you know, uh, kind of reaching that level of development. Now, you know, certainly there's a lot of variation in all that. Uh, there are some 16-year-olds who are very mature, mm-hmm. um, and there are some 16-year-olds that are very immature. You know, you kind of get that broad spectrum. Right. But in general, you know, it, it is very much uh, this uh, one aspect of this is about growth and development. You and I were were talking about dispelling that myth that talking about it causes people to think about it more. And that's, and that's not true. That's not true. Uh, in fact, um, you know, suicide is one of those things where you need to shine light on it, you know, because you started getting into some of the stigma of that. So that traditionally, you know, uh, we don't talk about suicide, even mm-hmm. if it's been in our family background. We don't talk about what happened to Uncle so-and-so. Uncle or, so-and-so, right. exactly, you know. So there's always this big mystery. But when you do that, it sends a message that this is, is not okay to talk about. If a child, a, te- a teenager, or an adult is having suicidal thoughts, you talking about it is not going to put more thoughts into their head. In fact, what you may be doing by talking about it is making it possible for that person to start dealing with and coping and getting the help that they need. You know, as a parent, it would be very fearful to say those words. As a psychologist doing an evaluation, it's always a little bit like, oh, 
<laughs> you know, if I say that word, right. which I need to, right, you know, right, uh, and, and we do. But there's always a little bit of trepidation just from being a professional, right? You know, because you got to be ready to deal with that. But by talking about suicide, like in a forum like this, making it possible for people to say, you know, it's okay to talk about that. If I see something that's going on with my child, if I see that they're struggling in some way, even if I'm not sure what's going on, right, uh, it makes it possible for for my child to talk to me. And have that conversation. Absolutely. And the conversation is a good conversation to have. Mm -hmm. You talked a little bit about some of the signs and symptoms and behavioral things that might be going on. What should we look for as parents? You know, that's a great question. Um, Basically, any change in behavior that persists. Okay. So the classic symptoms of depression, uh, depressed mood, sadness, uh, but also irritability and anger. Again, we don't think about that as possibly being a sign of, of depression. So if you have a child, your child is a happy-go-lucky individual. Next thing you know, they're, they're flying off the handle all the time. That, that may be a sign of depression or some other issues that may be going on. Yeah. Uh, sleep disturbance. Again, sleeping too much or not enough. You know, insomnia, they can't go to sleep, that sort of thing. Uh, same way with appetite, changes in appetite, changes in concentration. So you start, their grades are starting to drop. Right. Uh, for some reason, or they're having a hard time focusing. Uh, change in relationships, you know, uh, not wanting to hang out with their friends anymore, not wanting to hang out with the family. Of course, <laughs> teenagers like to hang out in the room and all that. Right. But if they're isolating themselves and not... Too much. Yeah, and, and, and engaging, that sort of thing. Physical symptoms, we don't always think about that, but that could be a sign of, of uh, a child struggling. So they're having more headaches or stomach aches or just don't feel well for various reasons, or fatigue, that kind of thing. But the main thing is any persistent change in behavior uh, is a red flag. Now, everybody's entitled to a bad day or, you know, a rough stretch. Right. You know, and it doesn't mean that they're uh, slipping into depression. But anything that that's different, that lasts for a while and raises concern for a parent, I, I think it's okay to start asking questions. And then once you ask the questions, one of the problems that we have in the country, but then also here in Alabama, we are a poor state, is access to care. And having the access in a timely manner to professionals like yourself. Absolutely. It's a a huge problem in Alabama. Uh, It's only more than what we can do, you know, or affect uh, from where we sit. I mean, right. this is, we're talking policy issues uh, with our state legislature and, and certainly at the federal level. Uh, but, you know, as healthcare professionals, we need to advocate for our patients. So we need to beat that drum. As parents, we need to advocate for that. Uh, we need to make sure that we have access to quality mental health services. At Children's, we have very good services. That's the good news. Uh, right. We're so good. <laughs> That, that uh, we have lots of patients. We have lots coming. of patients. Um, our psychiatrists and psychologists and, and counselors and school teachers and all the rest that, that work with uh, with the kids that come here do a great job. But there's more of them than there are of us. Right. So we have to be very mindful about how we provide resources. As a parent, though, my job is to make sure my child's getting the services that they need. That's right. What are some of the barriers to people seeking treatment now? That's a great question. I think one of the main issues is really the, just misconceptions about depression and suicide, uh, but also the stigma that goes along with that. You know, there's there's still a lot of misconceptions that people have. You know, uh, you know, depression, some sort of moral failing, either in my child's part or in my part, or or uh, that there's something, 
you know, horrible that must have happened to, to cause this sort of thing. And just the stigma of it, uh, the whole issue of mental health as, as uh, being something different than physical health, for example. Right. You know, but the notion that this is some sort of a failing on my part, I, you know, w- when I think about this, it's like, wow, you wouldn't blame somebody with cancer right, for having cancer. Why would you blame somebody who's, who has depression? I mean, that's, that is uh, a process that is happening to them. Right. But those are real things because people feel very, very much shame about uh, uh, being depressed or being anxious or whatever. And so that makes it very difficult for them to seek help. Uh, these kids, of course, I'm focusing on kids, but, but uh, adults too, suffer. When you have depression, when you have anxiety, severe anxiety, when you have other things, you are suffering and you deserve treatment. And a part of treatment is the research. You need to have research so that we know what sort of therapies can be helpful. This is a real issue. This is an, this is an illness. It needs to be treated. Right. Okay, let's talk about something positive. Let's talk about resilience and how can we instill resilience in our young kids, in our tweens, in our teenagers. Absolutely. Uh, that's such an important topic. And, and this is really all about prevention and, and, in a sense, sort of inoculating our children to to experience life, uh, including the, the difficult aspects of life, in a way that's going to be healthy. So that if you're predisposed to depression, perhaps we can prevent that from happening. Or And if, and if you do develop depression because of biology and, and, and the influence of environment and so forth, then perhaps that episode would be less dangerous and less traumatic and, and certainly hopefully keep you from slipping into uh, suicide. Right. So uh, how do we do that? Well, you know, uh, I always think that parenting our children and teaching them how to be happy, healthy adults starts in the womb. So making sure that... Uh, Women get proper prenatal care, you know, get uh, the social support that they need, that sort of thing. As, as an infant, making sure that you're nurtured, held, and cuddled, all, you know, it's, it's basic. As our kids grow up to, to help them be resilient, they need to experience life. That also means they need to fall down and skin their knee. And, and take, learn how to fail. And learn how to fail, exactly, you know. So as parents, as, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles and, and caregivers, you know, we need to teach and model for children not just how to succeed but also how to, to deal when things are difficult, you know. So we shouldn't be bailing our kids out of difficult situations. And when I say that, I don't mean if, it's, if we're talking abuse and all that kind of thing, yes, you need to protect them and get of them course. away. But if you're playing sports and you're on the bench – because maybe you're not quite that, you know, you don't blow that off. You teach them how to deal with that, and you teach them the work ethic to, to improve their skills and, and, right. and work hard, but also how to fail, you know. And we also talked about a little bit about structure as well. Mm-hmm. Kids crave structure. Kids, yes, kids thrive in structure. They need a routine. The younger the child, certainly. But even adolescents, and, you know, the teens... They're not going to be real happy with that. I mean, you know, they want to do their own thing, and it's right. understandable. But there needs to be a rhythm to their day. Now, when I say structure, I don't mean every minute of the day has got to be planned out. You know, planned right. out. Right. You know, but kids need to know what is bedtime, what is that routine, what are what are meals, uh, that kind of thing. They need to, you know, have their time to do chores. They need there needs to be predictability in their yeah. life, 
And that goes a long way to helping kids. The other thing, uh, you know, in addition to uh, routine and that consistency is also good discipline. Kids need to be raised. There needs to be good, consistent discipline. And that is part of building resilience. You know, kids learning consequences for their behavior. It, It gets back to, you know, with our toddlers when they're acting out in frustration and we, you know, as parents or caregivers, we redirect them and, yeah. and teach them how to express their anger in a much more adaptive and helpful way. That goes a long way to preventing a teenager uh, slipping into depression and suicide. And also role models. When I think of some of our great leaders of today, mm-hmm. some of them did not grow up in a wonderful situation. They may have been in a single parent household. Absolutely. They may have been in a really poor neighborhood, but there was someone in their life who stood out, whether it be a teacher or a coach or a healthcare professional. Absolutely. Who helped to guide them in the right direction. We all need people in our lives that are positive role models. And again, you know, the the obvious person is going to be a parent or a family member, but yes, it can be that coach or that teacher that takes an interest. We all need to feel that we belong and that we have worth. You know, but but again, really instilling in a child, not just again how to succeed, but also how to deal with adversity. When you're doing your homework and you're just not learning how to do long division, you need a mentor to be there and say, no, you can do this and work with them and help them through that. You don't just say, hey, don't worry about it. Right. You know, who needs long division anyway? Because if you can't learn how to deal with small adversities in your life, how can you learn to cope with the big ones? When we fail within reason, we should model how to do that, how to accept, you know, our, our challenges with with grace. And it, that doesn't mean that you don't say, hey, I'm angry, you know. Right. But here's how I'm going to deal with my anger, you know. I can either go punch holes in a wall, which my child will see, or I can... You know, find some healthy ways of dealing with that. Right. Talk it out or... Talk it out. uh, Find ways of of coping and dealing with adversity. So, again, I I don't want to say that just because, you know, we give kids a solid... uh, Foundation. Foundation in their childhood that nothing bad is ever going to happen to them. They can still, you know, they may be at risk for other reasons. Uh, But, again, that gets back to understanding this is an illness. We don't cause this. These protective factors can certainly help mitigate that, you know, and certainly uh, help them cope and deal with that illness if it should come to them. Right. And bottom line, we need to treat behavioral mental health as an illness. It is an illness. In some cases, children may need psychiatric hospitalization so that they can be in a safe environment and stabilize as they're getting those Uh, you know, their suicidal thoughts and their uh, depression under control. That's not a failure. Then the literature is pretty clear that a combination of of psychotherapy and medication uh, tends to be the most effective combination. So it's not like you got to choose one or the other. It's it's sort of a package. Uh, I'm fond of saying that medication certainly helps improve symptoms in terms of helping with sleep and kind of helping you with just that icky feeling that you get when you're depressed or anxious or whatever, uh, helps you with your appetite and so forth, but it doesn't teach you anything. And that's what psychotherapy is all about, is teaching you how to cope and deal uh, with the issues, uh, with the, the condition that you're uh, struggling with. Uh, this is a medical emergency. 
uh, suicide is. It is a medical emergency. It is no different than if you came in the hospital uh, in some sort of shock. Mm -hmm. Uh, It is a time to get stabilized and to start treatment or to carry your treatment further. So you talked about behavioral health issues, suicide, depression. It is treatable. Absolutely. And there is hope because we've seen lots of children come through our hospital and through your clinic um, and, and come out on the other side and and live very full, productive lives. What are some good resources for kids, maybe teenagers right. who are looking for help, and then also for parents? You know, if, if you're a teenager who is feeling suicidal yourself or you have a friend that you're concerned about, um, it's okay to speak up, okay? Uh, you know, go to that trusted adult. Go to your teacher. Go to your school counselor. Uh, ask to talk to your pediatrician. There's suicide hotlines uh, that you can call, 1-800 numbers. There's local suicide hotlines uh, that could be very beneficial to you. But the main thing is, for yourself or for that friend that you're concerned about, don't keep this in silence. This is a time to get help. For uh, parents, uh, similar resources. One, don't freak out. You know, It's okay to talk to your child about what's going on if you have any concerns. And if you don't know what to do, that's okay. Uh, Again, there are resources. Again, there are suicide hotlines that are open to you. Call your pediatrician. Call your family doctor. They're your frontline resources for that. If you're concerned that your child is imminently thinking of suicide, of truly hurting themselves, or even uh, acting out aggressively against other people, call 911. Go to your local emergency department. The main thing is speak out. Talk about it. Talk about it talk about it. Take opportunities to talk to your kids. If things pop up on the news about, you know, uh, something happened in the community or, a, you know, a favorite pop star or whatever uh, who struggled with depression and or has attempted suicide or committed suicide, use that as an opportunity to talk about these things. Make it okay. That's right. It is okay to talk about these things. We should. We need to shine a light on this. Thank you so much, Dan. Thanks for all of your insight and uh, advice. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Inside Pediatrics. More podcasts like this one can be found at childrensal.org forward slash inside pediatrics.